somebody tweeted something about the Pittsburgh football media and about Steeler fans that is so right on the money. After the Steelers lose, everybody's a villain. Mostly the coach and the quarterback. And this week, it was the defense. But then, as the next week goes on, everybody loves the team again, and optimism reigns supreme. Oh, that defense is going to be better. Hayden's back. Just a bad game, that's all. It's early in the season. Yeah, except the defense missed 17 tackles last week against Kansas City. It missed 17 tackles in one game. That is an astonishing figure, and I don't think they practice tackling this week. Meantime, A.B. is a good guy again. That interview he did yesterday was very Trumpian. A.B. might be the black Trump. He admitted no wrongdoing, contradicted himself constantly, and yelled out about fake news. A.B. blamed the media, and Twitter reflects you being dumb enough to buy it. A.B.'s the black Trump. I hear the talk show callers say stuff like, A.B.'s their best player. A.B.'s passionate. A. Ben is their best player. B. A.B.'s not passionate. He's just a jerk. But the big story is the defense, which would be well advised to not miss 17 tackles this week. That could be damaging and it was. Hayden is going to be back, says he's looking good, and Hayden says the Steelers are going to simplify their defense at Tampa. That's a good idea because it sure looked like things were too complicated against Kansas City. You had trouble getting players on and off the field. There's some whispering that some of the packages are too complicated, and there's some whispering that there's too many packages. There is also some whispering that Mike Tomlin is making more and more of the defensive calls. Hey, Keith Butler, you ever meet Peter? Yeah, Peter Principal. To make matters worse, the Browns won last night. The Cleveland Browns won last night. Baker Mayfield played after Tyrod Taylor got hurt, and he rallied Cleveland to a 21-17 win over the New York Jets. That puts the Steelers in last place in the AFC North. But I'm not all that worried because the Browns won't be playing the Jets every week. Uh, the people in Cleveland partied like it's 1999. They were crying. Mostly drinking, but some crying. But here's why the Browns are still the Browns. The coach, Hugh Jackson, he says he has to watch the tape before he names Mayfield the starter. Dude. Mayfield won a game for the Browns. Never mind being named the starting quarterback. Baker Mayfield should be named mayor. 17 for 23, 201 yards, and he caught a two-point conversion. It's only one game, and it's only against the Jets. And I'm not sure it justifies picking Mayfield first overall. But Mayfield got to start the next game. I don't have to make my Steeler prediction until Monday, and that's good. Because I don't have much of a feel yet. Most people picked Tampa to finish last in the NFC South. Sports Illustrated said Tampa would go 5-11. and 
and finished last in their division. But so far, Tampa's 2-0 and just beat the defending Super Bowl champions. Uh, Fitzgerald is going to hit his expiration date because he always does. But what if that's not by Monday? Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson are two good receivers, and Tampa is going to feel real confident throwing the ball based on their first two weeks and based on that Steeler pass defense. But the Steelers ain't going to mind throwing the ball either because Tampa plays almost all zone, and that means the Steelers can dictate a lot via formations. The Tampa Bay pass rush is led by Jason Pierre-Paul, but he's only one guy. Somebody's going to have to lend a hand. I hear in the lines from Penn's practice today some interesting combinations. Gensel, Crosby, and Sprong. Haglund, Malkin, and Kessel. Simone, Broussard, and Rust. Aston, Reese, Cullen, and Hornquist. The forward combos are weird because Hornquist is on the fourth line. Hornquist can't be on the fourth line. But if Sprong's going to play with Sid... Either Hornquist or Rust has to be on the fourth line, or Rust has to move to left wing. And don't forget, Riley Shane is still out. The defense pairs are weird because Johnson is on the right, which he can play. And Alexiak is on the left, which he can play. But each is best on the other side, I think. Right now, they got Latang and Dumo. That's the top pair, the gold standard. Mata and Johnson, like I said, Johnson on the right. Alexiak and Schultz with, like I said, Alexiak on the left. Today's a very exciting show. we got Craig Wolfley at 3.30 p.m. And Colby Armstrong, his regular segment at 5.15. If any Steelers defensive players are listening, you should practice your tackling. 412. 412- 3339939 the number to call 412333wxdx Does anybody agree with me that Lev Bell not showing up really rattled the Steelers that they never saw it coming and still haven't recovered mentally Ed Bouchette now thinks Lev Bell might not show up all season Jerry Dulac touched on that on this show earlier in the week I'm going to talk about that at length in just a little bit. But I don't think the Steelers saw Bell no-showing week one and now into week three. I don't think the Steelers have recovered mentally. That goes for the coaches and the players. Even though Connor has done okay, I feel like that's a big, big factor. I do. If you want some other negative factors, here you go. A.B. has been very ordinary. Forget the shenanigans. He hasn't been a game-breaker. He's been a possession receiver over the first two games. Vance McDonald has been hurt, but he's always hurt. The linebackers are really bad. Vince and Bostick are really bad. Dupree sucks, too. It's a slow group. A 3-4 is based on good linebackers, preferably great linebackers, and it's been that way since the Steelers adopted the 3-4. This is a rotten group of linebackers. The best one is T.J. Watt, and he has potential. Not yet consistency, but potential. When your best guy in a group of four has potential, 
that's not a very good group of four. Uh, the young DBs mostly stink, and some of them ain't so young anymore. Schematically, the defense is very disorganized. Like I mentioned, it's so disorganized that you could watch the game on TV and see the confusion. Uh, ben was much better against KC than he was at Cleveland, but still not quite good enough as the start of that Kansas City game confirmed. Now, I'm not blaming Ben. He put up 35 points against Kansas City, but with that Steeler defense being so bad, too much is never enough. Special teams have been a nightmare for Pittsburgh. Kansas City's first offensive snap of the game Sunday was at the Pittsburgh 10, and that is all the people need to know. Let's not kid ourselves at all. The Steelers are winless because they deserve to be. There's no dot on that. Craig Wolfleet at 3.30, just around the corner, going to talk about the futility of berating the Steelers for bad tackling because they won't get better because it's not something NFL teams practice, not even very much in training camp. You know how you prepare to tackle the NFL? You tackle in college because once you get to the pros, you never work on it again. It's something you just do in games. We're also going to talk about Isaiah Crowell and his touchdown celebration last night for the Jets at Cleveland. That is a disgusting act. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Bubble M, huge fan, buddy. Your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. Still of the night, still of the night, still of the night. VX at 105.9. I joked before the break that the Steelers defensive players should practice tackling in their spare time. And that's funny because uh, NFL teams don't even practice in pads much these days, let alone practice tackling. So something the Steelers really need to get better at, well, it has to happen organically because they don't, can't, and won't work at it. Uh, Tampa Bay is an interesting team. We, we talked quite a bit this week about, obviously, Fitzmagic, the quarterback, the backup playing in place of the suspended Jameis Winston. they got a couple good receivers, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. But one thing about the Bucs is one glaring weakness is they can't run the ball at all. Like at all. Not even a little bit. Peyton Barber is their leading rusher, and he's averaging 2.6 yards per carry. So the Steelers been talking about simplifying their game plan on defense, and I would suggest that the one-dimensional nature of the Tampa Bay offense makes that a distinct possibility. Uh, now, 24 hours and change removed from the AB press conference, the excuse making is stick and juicy. I heard somebody on the B team say with great passion, ironically, he is fueled by his passion. Well, at least you can't get suspended for that, like what Lev Bell has been known to be fueled by. You know, you know there's a train of thought that Lev Bell might not show up at all. Ed Bouchette wrote about that in the Post-Gazette today. Just skip the season. 
Now, technically, that would bind Bell to the Steelers for another year. But Bell and his agent got to know there's no way the Steelers would want to go through that again. So the Steelers would just cut him. Some are saying the Steelers should cut Bell now. Because that lets the guys who are here know that we're all in this together, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you know what would really let the guys who are here know we're all in this together? Make everybody accountable when it comes to showing up for work. Yo, you can't cut Bell. You can't let Bell go to New England. You can't. And it's not like James Conner needs motivated. He seems to be doing just fine. I hadn't thought of this because I'm a big fat so, and I hate to conjecture about other people's weight, but when I saw the Bell jet ski video, Le'Veon did look a bit chunky. Not not orca fat, not like me, but, but a bit chunky. If you want to read into that, that seems to say he's not showing up anytime soon this year, or perhaps at all. We got Craig Wolfley in just a few. Let's go uh, to Jameson in West Mifflin. Jameson, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. What up, man? Hey, so two things about AB. One is, uh, you know, everybody makes a big deal about him missing on Monday, which, you know, it is a big deal. And, and, you know, I agree with you about that. But I still can't believe that him threatening a reporter wasn't made into a bigger deal and was basically dismissed by Tomlin, and Tomlin basically backed him up on it. I thought that was way more egregious than missing a day of practice. No, missing a day of practice is the most egregious thing Le'Veon Bell's done because you got 52 guys, 53, which is it? I think it's 53. Anyway. They all got to, well, you know what? I always say 45 because 45 is how many play. But uh, you got everyone on the roster has to show up for practice, and he didn't. It's just, it's the most egregious thing he's done. There's well, stuff that, he's that's done fair. that's been way more annoying. But in terms of the rules of the team and what you should pay a price for, that's the most egregious uh, transgression AB has committed. Hey, real quick, I want to get your thoughts. If Juju continues, because Juju's playing really good football right now. He's probably been one of their best players on offense. If he continues to, to shine and have these 100-yard games and have a touchdown every almost every game, do, can you see a conflict brewing down the line between him and A.B.? Yeah, I think you'll hit him over the head with a chair and celebrate with the other team. <laughs> kind, kind of like when, when my V had turned on Backlund. Boy, that, that dates me as being really old. Uh, but uh, you know what? I, I think AB's probably frustrated with that already. He seems to really like Juju. You're right. If Juju continues to out catch AB, we'll see exactly how much AB likes Juju. Let's go to Joe in the car. Joe, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing? What, what frustrates me? Hey. What frustrates me about the Steelers, it's not Bell, it's not Brown. They're both knuckleheads. Drama comes with those guys. You just got to deal with that stuff. I look back on the defense. Wasn't Mike Tomlin hired as a defensive coach all the 10, 11 years ago, whatever it was? Yep, and and since then he's won a Super Bowl and been in another. He has, but then after I mean, I mean, if you're going to talk about what happened 11 years ago and why Mike Tomlin was hired 11 years ago, then consider that some good things have happened in that span. Uh, I agree that this defense should be better, but not much better because you can't polish excrement. I don't know if you heard uh, my opening monologue. Their linebackers aren't very good, and you need good linebackers in a 3-4.
I think that's the most egregious thing. Well, I'm using that word a lot today, egregious. I'm using it egregiously. What the hell? Well, well, that works. Uh, I, 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 no, no, I wasn't done talking. I, 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 I think that in a 3-4, you need better backers than what they got. I think they always have had, but now they don't. Why do we have to look at anybody in week three? And they draft as a team, don't you know that? Well, no, I don't. I mean, I don't. No, they do. They, no, they they make decisions as a team. That's because they like to work together and come up with a common cause and conclusion. But mostly because that way you can't blame anybody. Let's go to Lou in the car. Lou, you're on with Double M. Good day, Mister Man. Good day, Lou. You got about 15 seconds. Go, 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 uh, go, go. Can the can the Steelers? Drug test Le'Veon Bell every day that he holds out? No, he's an, he's not an employee. Oh, all right. Can they the NFL too? No, because he's not an employee. Oh, Can they get right. the FBI too? No, because they're <laughs> just not interested. You know what would be interesting? Have Lev take a drug test, have AB take an English test, and see who posts the worst score. You're talking exceptionalism. Up next in studio, Craig Wolfley. Steeler injury report real quick. Joe Hayden, full participant. Morgan Burnett did not practice groin. Marquise Ponce participated. David DeCastro did not. Ramon Foster, full participant. That's good news. Marcus Gilbert Hammy did not participate. Stephon Tuitt, illness, did not participate. Tyson Alualu, full participant. Wolf up next, 105.9. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Is this Bob Hope? Hi, uh, this is. How you doing? Oh, boy, man. Uh, you know what? Why? This? Call back when you're coherent. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now in the studio by all-time Steeler great. You can hear him on the sideline during Steeler broadcasts on DVE. It's a pleasure to talk to Craig Wolfley. Uh, Wolf, let's talk about that Fitz magic they got going on in, in Tampa Bay. Why is Ryan Fitzpatrick... So good in small doses, and can he sustain what he's doing through Sunday? Because I, I, I hope not. It it the clock's ticking for him based on past precedent. Uh, let, let's hope it strikes midnight. Wouldn't you love it? I mean, you look at this guy, and uh, now nah, he's a Harvard guy, so he's obviously everyone says, "Oh, he's so smart." But what you watch when you put put the tape on is you see a guy who is all the veteran that you want from a veteran guy. This is a guy who's. You watch him in his footwork. It's not great. He adjusts to whatever he needs, whatever the depth of his drop, whatever's happening in the pocket. But he, he can throw sidearm. He can throw over the top. He even adjusts his throws on the fly, which is like you sit there and go, I can't believe he just made that throw. You know, And he has really lengthened that offense. Last year, Jameis Winston didn't have near the type of connection with Deshaun Jackson and some of those guys. And you watch uh, Fitzmagic. He is really playing so very well. He's hot, but the one thing you got to say about him, he's the kind of guy that throws five touchdowns one week and then five interceptions another week. Does the Fitz magic wear out? That's what's been the case. He's been with seven teams in 14 years, and uh, i, I got to tell you, aside from a, a great uh, helmet collection, you know, I mean, <laughs> this guy is, is well-traveled. Now, I'm not sure Tampa has the weapons Kansas City does, as I mentioned a moment ago, I think they're one-dimensional, a lot better at the pass than at the run. But what about Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson Wolf? That's a that's a potent receiving duo. It really is because you got a guy like Mike Evans who's got strong hands, runs great routes. He's about six five, 
big guy, a lot of, lot of wing room there as he can catch the ball. But it's just Deshaun Jackson. This guy here, when you watch him, if he's slower than Tyreek Hill, he ain't much slower. You know, I know he's 11 years, and I know he's got some mileage, but the fact is, right now he's averaging about 30 yards a catch. You're talking about nine for 275 and three touchdowns. This guy is just phenomenal when he gets out in the open range. And in the first game against Philadelphia, they didn't waste any time. It's over 100 degrees on the field. They went down the field on a post to Deshaun Jackson, and he took it to the house. It was a huge play. This guy is really dangerous. And Fitzpatrick, for whatever his, his shortcomings are, he's not afraid to put it out there to get to hit Deshaun Jackson. Now, I mentioned earlier that Tampa Bay really can't run the ball very well. They're only averaging 2.6 yards uh, per carry on the ground. Does that simplify the Steelers' game plan on defense, or do you still have to give the run uh, at least a modicum of respect? You always have to. It, it, the great Dick LeBeau once told me, he says, you always start off by taking away the run. That's what you you got to do. So you've got to pay adherence to it. Yes, they're only averaging 2.6, 2.7. You watch their offensive line. They've got some pretty good guys up front. And you start at that left tackle. you got the Donovan Smith and the two tackles, really, DeMar Dotson. They're massive. I look at them from a two-point stance. They just look like yetis out there. I mean, they are ginormous <laughs> individuals. And one of the things that's that was obvious from the get-go, they're much better at pass protection than they are run blocking. One of the things they do in pass protection, they're very good with their hands. These tackles are 6'6 and 6'9. They got great arm length, and they can hit guys and punch guys. And all across the board, uh, even with Ryan Jensen, who's a little bit traveled, come from the Ravens, and he's not a great athlete, but he's a hard, hard working player, and he does a great job of centering that line. The left guard's a, a serious player. They're, if anything, uh, the kid at right guard, Caleb Beninock, I can never say his name, but anyhow, uh, the guy is the weak link. Well, he's a guard. Line. You never have to say his name. <laughs> well, I know, but I mean, as a former guard, I love to throw them out there, you know, to a little love to the guards in the NFL. Now, are the Steelers rattled Wolf? And I'm not talking about the A-B stuff. I'm talking about being winless because I had them down for 2-0 and at this point and 3-0 and after Tampa. There's no question that it's got to be preying on their mind. Look, no one expected Cleveland to rise up and get in. A tie with him. No one expect, expected Cleveland to be ahead of him at this point in the standings. But the fact is, you are where you are. You've, as, as Mike Tom likes to say, it is on your resume. It is who you are. So the fact is, you you need to come up to a win. And this big win, a Monday night game, is a perfect time to unload one. This is the big center stage. This is where everybody's focus is on. And when you get that feeling like you're going into a massive, overwhelming situation, a 2-0 and Buccaneers on Monday night football, baby, it's a great time to pull out the big fist and hammer them. Well, I like the idea of pulling out the big fist as long as they can, can use the other hand to make sure they tackle because the Steelers missed 17 tackles against Kansas City. That's a higher number than I can ever recall a team missing in one game. That's bad, Wolf, and as I mentioned earlier, nobody really practices tackling anymore, so how do they get better at it? It's it's adherence to the principles that you work on in practice, and you see them work on it, but you can't work on it in full contact the way you could in preseason and training camp. And it's so unfortunate because it really, with the way that the lowering of the helmet, having to be extra careful around quarterbacks and uh, making sure that you don't have helmet-to-helmet contact in various forms and whatever 
uh, wherever you are in the field, you've got real problems for the defense because now they have to change their angle as they come up to encounter a they're, guy. They're thinking too much. They're aren't thinking. They? they think so much, and they're trying to keep their head out of the way, and it creates arm tackles in situations where you ghost a guy can ghost you really easy, much easier than in the past because guys don't try to eviscerate or or run through a tackle. They're trying now to pull up and come to balance before they tackle, which creates separation, which creates for the ball carrier, a great advantage. Now, the pass coverage wasn't good against Kansas City. The Steelers only defended one pass, which is another shocking statistic. Uh, Is that scheme? Is it communication? Lack of ability? What's adding up to make the pass coverage so bad so far? I think what what happened is that you had a lot of miscommunication, and that comes from playing combination coverages. I don't know what the answer is going to be. It's got to be making sure that they're dotting their I's, crossing their T's, and getting the job done. But when you put on the tape and you see a Travis Kelsey get a free release on that touchdown, nobody touched him. He ran up the seam, and he got a great throw from Mahomes, hit him at in the you know on the two three yard line or in the end zone there, touchdown. And so you can, you've got to do things. You've got to get a good jam on the guy, and you've got to make sure that you're all on the same page. You know, they say, you know, it doesn't matter what the coverage is. It's making sure everybody's on the same page. If you all, it's the wrong coverage, but you're all doing the same thing, at least you've got a fighting chance to get it done right. We're talking to Craig Wolfley. You hear him on the Steelers Radio Network. All-time Steeler great. He's right here in studio. Every time you say that, I think you I must have missed and you got somebody else here. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll send you the bill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, are the packages maybe too complicated on defense? You hear whispers about that, or maybe too many packages. What really is a giveaway for me in that regard, Wolf, I saw guys having trouble getting on and off the field uh, against Kansas City. There were a few uh, kind of bungled substitutions. Well, it's early in the season. That's one of the problems with early in the season. When you don't get traction, when you've got guys being moved in and out rather rapidly, there can be some confusion. And the problem is sometimes it looked like, since we were talking about hockey, it looked like a shift change. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, some guys just pouring out from the sidelines, and that's and, a complication. And some guys had to turn back and, and get back on the bench. Yes, and so when that happens, you get guys out there late, they listen to late signals, and there's a lot of, sometimes there can be confusion, and that's what you've got to make sure that you get rid of this weekend because you're going to need it. This Fitzpatrick guy is, is no joke. He can throw that ball like we've talked about, and again, you hope the magic runs out. That's what it has done in all his other previous stops. But, my goodness, he's not going to make it easy for him. Wolf, I'm not too sure about Pittsburgh's backers so far. That's turned out to be a bit of a slow group, and that's not conducive to a 3-4. The problem is we all remember Ryan Shazier and the great speed that he brought. No and question. You're trying to emulate that without a guys that are Ryan Shazier. And that I was watching today. There's just a lot more field to cover. Oh, there is. And, I, and I'm watching uh, an old tape with Ryan on it and watching the amount of ground and the grass that he could gobble up on guys before they could even get ahead of steam. And that's part of the problem that you don't have that speed, which is what they've been trying to do when you bring in a Morgan Burnett, when you have Terrell Edmonds, and you get guys that uh, you, you're trying to get that speed back in, in, in part of the linebacker position in some of the defensive packages. Obviously, it's not worked the way they want it yet. They're going to have to step it up. A guy like Terrell Edmonds, I think he missed two, three tackles the other day. He's going to get better. Remember what they said about Troy Palomalo his first year. They were talking like him. he was a bust. 
Uh, well, you know, I'm a lot more worried about the veterans missing tackles than I am the rookies. Well, there's no question. But I will say this. John Bostic, for what they ask him to do, does a good job. Now, whether you're mismatching him in some scenarios, the scenario where you had... That happened a couple times in coverage, didn't it? Well, you had T.J. Watt chasing the Sammy Watkins, and that is going to lead to some wide-open people. And uh, that sort of thing has, has got to be one of the things that you get rid of as you move forward in the season. You've got to make sure that you are clear and, and on the same page with everybody else out there. And one of the things that's going to happen, this is going to be a hot game. You know, and I'm I'm glad Tyson Alualu is back. Because yeah, me too. You got to go a little deeper into your bench. You're yes. going to have to rotate guys, and you got to keep some fresh bodies out there because it's going to be hot. Matter of fact, I'm going to make sure I get some Gatorades in me going up and down the sidelines. Now, what's going to happen with the O line? Uh, Marcus Gilbert didn't practice today. David DeCaster didn't practice today. It looks like Ramon Foster is going to be good to go. But uh, as you and I have talked about previously on the show, Wolf. The Steelers' depth is kind of stretched in on O-line in the first place. And, boy, if they if they lose two starters, let alone three, I don't know who's going to go where. Well, I'm a little bit worried about the right tackle position with Gilly. You know, Chooks Okafor, uh, he's made some real progress. Um, this would be a tough time for him to have to step in on the big stage of Monday Night Football, needing a win. Uh, Dave DeCastro, we saw B.J. Finney step in, do a good job last week. Um, he's not the same as Dave. I get it. But uh, he he goes out he battles every play and he's one of these guys he doesn't make mental errors uh, he, he he's he's one of those guys that tries to finish every block you love that so as you long see, as I look at Finney's kind of a six starter anyway yeah he's he's very close just like Hubbard was a seven starter last year there you go and the one guy that you worry about now is 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 Gilly because Gilly is a terrific right tackle he is uh, you know everybody talks about DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey and and you got Big Al the Pro Bowlers well Gilly was a Pro Bowl caliber tackle. He hasn't crested it in the sense of being voted outright by it, but he is a guy that is very capable and should be in the Pro Bowl. Now, DeCastro has a broken bone in his hand, and, and I know they've had to fiddle about this week with different casts and different braces. How much pain can you play through, and how much bracing can a hand take? Because I know you've played through your share of pain, Wolf. Well, there's no question. Now, the only thing I had was a broken thumb, and the broken thumb, you shoot it up, well, you, you know, Wolf, that, that separates man from the animals, that opposable thumb. <laughs> That's true, and I'm glad we got that clear. You know, uh, I, I, you know, it's it's back in the day. Things were a little different. Today, it's it's so early in the season. Do you want to keep messing that thing up, or do you want to give him time to heal? And I think with B.J. Finney, you got to give him time to heal because you got a guy that's that's competent. He can step in there and get the job done. So I would like to see David have that opportunity to get that thing healed up because this is a long season still waiting. Now, what's your take on A.B. skipping the meetings Monday, Wolf, and, and the fallout from that? And what are your expectations for him this Monday at Tampa? I expect him to come out, and I think he's going to give a great performance, a great accounting of himself. Look, the one thing you can say about uh, A.B. is the fact that this guy is a competitor. He is a supreme competitor. And, you know, however you want to uh, characterize what happened Monday, um, that thing went down between Mike and, and A.B. the way it should. But he needs to be there, doesn't he? There's no question. And he's going to be there. They're not going to sacrifice the other 44 guys in the locker room. But it's a tough call, isn't it? Oh, it's a tough call. All let right, me, but let me ask you. That's the nature if of the 2-0, oh, it's different, isn't it? Well, uh, no question. No question. There is a microscope that is on everybody right now. Look, it's a different era. I was late for a meeting, okay, uh, my rookie year. And after practice, they held me out, and I had to run like 40-40s after <laughs> practice. So you know what? You know darn well I never was late again, not even close. That would have been the headline. Wolfie misses meeting. 
dies in the aftermath. <laughs> Let me tell you something. By the time we get up to the 30s uh, of those 4040s, I was sucking wind like you can't even believe. That, that, that's, well, that, that, that's the corporal punishment. That yeah. goes back to the, the grade school days. Now, is this game must win? Do you want to put that tag on it? Because 0-2-1 would be a deep pull. And again, Wolf. I expected the Steelers to be 3-0 and after three weeks. There's no question. This is a, a huge game. Uh, I think last week you made the statement, if the Steelers lost the game, the season was going to be a lot older or something along those lines a lot. You know, I mean, it, that's, it was important last week. Well, this week is even more so. And on the big stage, with all of your peers looking around, you are simply not able to come out and, and just lay down. you got to come out and get the W. This is what it's all about. And I think these guys, look, look at the performance Ben had. That was, I can't tell you how hard it is to go from the performance in Cleveland and having one day of practice and then having the guts to come out and muscle through 39 of 60 for 452. And running for the touchdown. Diving at the flag on fourth down. I said on my show he looked like Red Grange. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that. The Galloping Ghost. It. He did it, and, and you know, that's what leadership looks like at the big level. And for Ben, this is about putting this team on his shoulders like he's done so many times in the past and getting the job done. It's going to be, I believe, A.B. is going to come out, and I think he's going to have a big game. Well, before we wrap this up, i got to say, how about those Cleveland Browns, and what a debut for Baker Mayfield. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I can't even imagine that they're even thinking about going back to Tyrod Taylor. I think, you know. That would be so Browns. It, it would be. But you know what? At the same time, uh, let's see, does that mean on Halloween that that guy who puts a gravestone up for every Brown starting quarterback has now got to put up <laughs> another for Tyrod Taylor? I thought Mayfield looked good. He did. He really did, and he brought some excitement. And you know that those folks in Cleveland are going absolutely ape. I mean, you heard them talking about Super Bowls and everything else. Well, the bad news is they don't play the Jets every week. Yeah. That's Craig Wolfley. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan, big fan. Hashtag best in the world. You are the super genius. <laughs> I'll say. And then some. The X at 105.9. Pitt plays at North Carolina tomorrow. ACC football. North Carolina sucks. Pitt could be 2-0 in the ACC Coastal Division after tomorrow. That is one bad division. Bad teams. I still don't believe Pitt is going to be in the ACC Championship game like Blowhard Narduzzi said, but in that division, it's at least a possibility. The Pirates host Millie Waukee for a series beginning tonight. That's an interesting series because the Pirates have won five straight, and Milwaukee has to keep winning some games to hold on to a wild card. The Brewers have a three-game lead with nine games left. That's encouraging, but they're not home and dry just yet. Uh, Mike Sullivan is back with the Penguins after dealing with the death of his father. Uh, Sully's a good guy, and it's good he's back. And I wish him well as he mourns his dad because I know they were very close, and, and that's always tough. Here we are, uh, got 12 years later, 12-plus years, and I'm... Still not remotely over uh, losing my mother. Uh, somebody talked more today about the possibility of Broussard playing wing. And again, I just don't get that. Broussard would give the Pens the best third-line center in hockey, and Broussard has never really played wing. Uh, yesterday, me and Yoey talked about how much the coaches like Shan. 
Maybe they like Shane better than Broussard. That's awesomely misguided if that's the case, but that might be what they think. If it's because, and I've heard this theory, if they want to make Broussard a top six wing because he wants to play top six, I don't care what he wants. He's a center, and him playing there gives the Penguins a big advantage. And if it's because Riley Shane's good enough to play third-line center, he's not. He won 80 games without scoring one season. Not your typical third-line center output. Good player. Hate to bash him. Got to in this case. He's nothing but a real good fourth-line center. And he can jump up now and again when necessary. Let's just hope it's not too often necessary. Uh, no quarter brought to you by CWElectricalServices.com. Helping you build the right way since 1956. In 30 seconds, we're going to talk about an unseemly event during last night's Cleveland-New York Jets game on national television. That is a disgusting act. 105.9.